for sure. Um, there's just no beauty like the Lord's beauty. It wouldn't matter if it was in the middle of the thunderstorm. You can see the Lord's beauty in everything if you're looking. So that is my question to you this morning. Did you come looking? I say it a lot, and I'm hoping if I hammer it home enough times that you'll think about it more often than not. It's kind of how I try to get through with my kids. I, I feel as though I'm repeating myself over and over and over and over and over. And people's houses that they go to, they, they tell me that they act good. I wouldn't know it by the way they act at our house, but the other people say they do, so I don't know. Hopefully one day I'll get to see it. <laughs> and so that's what I'm asking you this morning. If you came looking for change in your life, if you cha- came looking for a God that can change your life this morning. Before I get wholeheartedly into this message, would you please bow with me in a word of prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, first of all, thankful. God, we're thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross, Lord, that we may have a chance at everlasting life, Lord, that, the, that you paved the way, Lord, the path is there, we just have to choose to walk it. God, without your son, there would be no path and there would be no way. Therefore, this morning, we are thankful from the bottom of our hearts that you created, Lord, that we could one day give it all back to you. God, I pray that everybody that made an attempt at going to church this morning, Lord, the ones that couldn't make it even, God, that they're looking for you today and that they'll look for you tomorrow. God, that they would continue to stay looking for your presence in their life to bring change God to bring change you're the only one that can do that Lord Lord we're thankful that you hold that power and to know that we have an open line of communication to the one person that can bring change into our life God we're so thankful for that Lord we say a special prayer for everybody that couldn't be here this morning Lord that They could feel our love, Lord, that we could pray your love upon them, God, that they could feel you this morning for whatever reason, Lord. Sometimes we just need time. God, sometimes we don't feel like we're physically able to make it. God, sometimes we are sick and and sometimes we oversleep, Lord, but we ask for your forgiveness in those situations, God, and that we continue to feel your presence. So we pray that presence for the people that are not here this morning, God, that they could feel our love as well as yours. God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your word today. God, that you prepared us this morning that we're not here wasting time, God, that we are ready to receive you. Lord God, we ask for your guidance And we ask that everything we do this morning would bring praise, honor, and glory to your name. Lord, we just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to share a little bit of testimony this morning. I've heard heard some great testimony over the last couple days. And testimony is one of the most powerful tools that we as Christians can use. And the proof that it can change lives. Uh... I had a brother tell me this morning that the Lord had spoken to him, and it, he's excited 
for what the Lord's fixing to do in his life. He doesn't even know what it is, but the fact that he heard from the Lord and he knows that things are fixing to change and he knows that God has control over it and he's hinging on God makes him excited and that gets me excited. God doesn't have to move in my life alone for me to get excited. I get excited when God starts moving in general in anybody's life. When you can see it, I get excited. Because when the Lord does something, it's not small. The Lord does things in a big way. And it's exciting to see lives and people changed. Also, Friday night, I went to the lock-in at Pontiac and spoke. And after I spoke... I don't know if you guys know Kalen. He goes to Jeff Dodson's church over there. He's a younger guy. had a form of leukemia, and he just finished his treatments. But anyway, he gave his testimony about how he had dabbled into drugs and had an abusive family growing up, and he didn't get along with anybody, and how he's overcome and, and realized once he gave his life to God and he got rid of the drugs and found a purpose serving the Lord, and he gets excited about it. And you could see a broken man that had been made whole through Christ Jesus. And when he gave that testimony, and then we prayed over the kids that were there, he got approached later that night by a young boy in his teens and said, I want to give my life to God, but I don't want other people. It's embarrassing. He said, it's not embarrassing to live a life for the Lord. This is an exciting time. And Caitlin said, I don't know what come over me. He said, I just felt like I needed to ask him if he wanted to become a follower of Christ right now. And he said, yes. And so they prayed the prayer together, and the God won another teenage soul. Amen? Amen? That is a great thing. We get excited about these things because this is the next generation coming up. These are going to be the next kids that are standing and singing right here. And if we don't disciple these kids and if we don't train these kids, there's going to be nobody here. And there's going to be nobody left out here. That's why it is so important that we as adults and the elders of the church walk in a way that would exuberate the Lord, that would make the Lord look good. Not just somebody else walking down the street, but they could see a glow about us and excitement in us. Not that we have to get up and go to church on Sunday morning, but we get to get up and we get to go be in the presence of the Lord on Sunday morning. And guess what? We get to go back again Sunday night, and we get to go with fellow believers again. And then on Wednesday, guess what we get to do? We get to go back, and we get to open His Word, and we get to study it with like-minded people like us. And it needs to be exciting. We need to be excited about it. And there's not a whole lot of excitement that goes on. Because sometimes it feels like a burden. Sometimes when we wake up, we feel like we have to go to church today. Anybody ever feel like that? I felt like that. But we have to remember that these burdens are not burdens at all, but they're blessings. That God has blessed us to live in a country where we can freely go and come out of this building and worship as we please. Kenny gave a staggering statistic this morning that kind of shocked me. 75% of all the religious killings are against Christians. Not any other faith, Christians, 75%. We're closing in on a time, my friends, where it is going to be important that you have a rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ to stand on and that we've given our children the roots that can grow deep enough to stand during a storm 
that they know where their anchor is and that they can set that anchor and they can weather anything that comes along. That's why we have these lock-ins. That's why we have children's night on Wednesday nights. That's why we do youth Bible, vacation Bible schools. And that's why we do these things because we're investing in our future generations to come up that they would be able to lead and that they would be able to be excited about serving the Lord. They used in our Sunday school literature this morning a radical Christian. And it struck me. The word radical stood out to me because I don't believe that there's enough radical Christians today. There's a lot of wavering and a lot of blowing in the wind that comes about when times get hard. We waver. I think there's something that we're leaving on the table because I don't believe radical is a bad thing. It's got labeled to be radical is a negative thing. But to be radical in the spirit of Christ is not negative anyway. It will bring you life everlasting. And guess what? It won't just bring you life everlasting. If you're enough radical, you might see change in other people's lives too. But you can't see change if you're not willing to be the change. You've got to be involved. We've got to develop radical Christians. We've got to develop a generation. And it starts in here that we first have to get excited about what God is doing and the way he's using us and the way he's developing other people. That's got to bring excitement to us. Because if it doesn't excite us, we can't excite other people. And then it becomes a chore or a tradition to come to work. And you develop dead churches where you've got a whole church of people that don't want to do anything but they're doing their due diligence and showing up on Sunday we've got to be careful just because you sit in a church view for 30 years does not mean that you're going to heaven only by the acceptance of Jesus Christ as your savior are you getting to heaven and we've got to be excited about the fact that Jesus came and he died for a way for us to get to heaven. Because if people don't see that we're excited about that, how can we expect people that don't know that to be excited? I believe that God calls us to a more exciting life than what we're living. And I believe that a lot of times we settle for good when we can have great or we settle for earthly when we can have godly things. I'm going to start out with a verse this morning. It's in John 10, 10. It says, The thief cometh, the thief being Satan, cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, being Jesus, came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. More abundantly. Abundantly came up in, in study this morning, and I believe that God lines things up the way that it's supposed to be, and the definition of more abundantly is a super abundance of something. God doesn't want you to just live and walk on this earth. He wants you to live, and He wants you to prosper, and He wants you to gain, and He wants you to live joyfully, and He wants you to be happy, and He wants you to sing songs of praise. Amen? That's what He wants. 
He, didn't wasn't, he doesn't want mundane. He wants miracles. But he's got to have believers. And he's got to have believers that are excited. And he's got to have believers that are willing to sacrifice. He says he wants us to not only have life, but to have life more abundant. When you accept Jesus Christ, you have life eternal. But there's more there if you want it. He says not only that you can have life, that's what I died for, so that you can have life eternal. But he says also that you can have it more abundantly. A super abundance of something. He wants us to have it all. He wants us to have cake and ice cream and pizza. I'm a food guy. I love food. Sorry. But he wants us to have it all. He wants us to have everything that we ever desire as long as it lines up with his desires for us. That's where our part comes in. We've got to spend time finding out what the Lord desires for us. And it'll tell you. And he will talk to you. The testimony this morning from a brother. The Lord will speak to us. You may not hear him audibly. But you can feel what the Lord wants out of your life. And sometimes he may speak audibly to you. But the excitement needs not go away. David in Psalms talks about having the joy when he first got saved. And when he first realized that he needed God in his life. And that excitement. And he says, Lord, put that back in me. I want that back. How many people have ever gotten stuck in a rut? Amen, right? It's a tough place to be. How many people have clawed and fought and struggled and prayed and cried out to the Lord to get out of that rut? Amen? You've got to get out. You can't be complacent there. You've got to move. God didn't create valleys for you to hover and to stay there, to be buried there. He created valleys so that he can build us stronger, that the way to the top would be more graceful than ever before, that we might realize blessings abound through the valleys. Your strength is created in the valleys. They're not a place to stay, but a place to learn, a place to grow, a place to reach. Because sometimes you have to hit the bottom before you can go up. It's important. It's important for us to be looking for the right things in life. The Holy Spirit indwells us at the moment when we're saved. How do I know that? The Bible tells us that. Jesus was talking to his disciples in John 16. John 16, verse 5. How do I know that the spirit inside is important? Because Jesus says it was important. John 16, verse 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whether goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. He's talking to his disciples. He said, I've got to go. I can't stay here anymore. I've got to go. I've got to go be by the Father so the prophecies can be fulfilled and that you may have a chance at everlasting life. But what did they focus on? 
They're focused on the valleys, right? They're focused on the sorrow and the fact that Jesus is leaving. And I'm not going to say that I would be any better than they are. Because I can't even imagine what it would be like to walk with Christ for three years. Amen? That would be, whoo. I mean, I'm sure they had their struggles. You don't have a home and you don't know where your next meal is coming from. I mean, it doesn't sound all that fantastic. But I guarantee you, seeing somebody raised from the dead and seeing leprosy healed... And blind man to made seen again. How great would that stuff be? Guess what? It's still existent today. But we've got to have followers. And we've got to have believers that are dedicated. That are faithful enough to walk in God's word and in God's presence always. That when these situations come up. That they might have the tools. And they might have the faith. To make the blind see. To make the lame walk. All these things he can still do. How do I know that? Because he said he is the same forever and always. Which means he's still a healer today. Amen? Amen. We're going to hear a guy's testimony upon deacon approval here in a couple weeks or so. And the dude's testimony is unreal. God is the ultimate physician. He wants to heal people. He also wants a people that have faith enough to call on him to heal people. Who has that kind of faith today? Who wants to walk in it today? Who can focus on the things that God is doing and not what the world is doing today? Because we get wrapped up in what the news is saying. And we get wrapped up in the bad things that are going on. And we lose sight in the way God is working. And we lose sight on the way God is moving. And we lose sight on where we can go to find God. You know, we talked this morning a little bit in Sunday school about a prayer closet and what a prayer closet does. We were talking about bad relationships and things. And it's okay to push people to arm's length so that you can gather yourself and that you can find God and ask his discernment on the situation. Right? It's okay to say, whoa, back up for a second. I've got to find me. I've got to find where my heart is. That's what a prayer closet does. He asks us to find a place to seclude ourselves, where the world can't get to us for just a moment so that we can go find God without distraction, so that we can go meditate on his word and the things that he's telling us and the things that he's doing in his life. Why is that important? So you can let the spirit that lives inside of you out. You've got it inside of you. And I've heard a lot of times Jerry and Kenny talk about choking the spirit out. It's inside of you, but you want to stuff it down and you want to bury it because it's telling you to do things that you might be uncomfortable with or that you've never done before. But it's asking you to step out and that is God. And he is using the spirit inside of you to convict you that you might take a step towards something that is not of this world, that is godly. He doesn't want you to step towards the world. He wants you to step towards Him. So that's why He says, when you come to me, shut everything else out. Because nothing else matters. My relationship with you matters. And your eternity depends on it. So when he's telling his disciples that he's got to go, he's a little sad, but there's an important part 
Verse 70 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when is he come? He will prove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Why do I think the Spirit in me is important? Because Jesus told me that the Spirit was important. Why do you think you receive it upon salvation? Because it is important. It is a comfort. It is a teacher. It allows you to heal. It allows you to prophesy. It allows you to hear from God. That is why we can't. Was it John says it? I wrote it down. John says it in Galatians. Walk. No, hold on. Where does he say that? At? I wrote it down. Oh, 1 Thessalonians. Paul says, quench not the spirit. Because when we start choking the spirit out, we start choking God out of our lives. And we build up a callus to the things that God's trying to tell us and the things that God tries to show us. Every time we say no, our heart hardens a little bit. Every time we tell God no, we harden a little bit. Every time we don't listen, we harden a little bit. And before too long, we can't discern what the voice of God even sounds like anymore. Why hasn't he called on me lately? When's the last time you listened to him? Amen? So we have to learn to listen to the spirit that indwells inside of us. Sometimes it's a little act of faith. Just like that song earlier says, says it just takes a little bit of faith to move mountains. I'm glad because a little bit of faith is all I can muster up right now. But that's all it takes. A little bit of faith saying, God, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. It seems pretty bad. I'm struggling with a relationship. I'm struggling with an addiction. I can't get this sin out of my life. God, I'm broken. The world has tore me down. I don't know where to go, so I'm coming to you. And he says, guess what? You're right where you need to be. In my presence. You sought me. Guess what? I'm here. Because you came looking for me. I will show myself to you. How much time do we spend in a week seeking after God's face and not things of this world? I can guarantee you I don't spend enough time in God's presence. And I'm not talking about a little prayer in the morning. And that's, it's great. It's great. But I'm talking about dedicated time where you shut the world out of your life and you say, not right now, world. Not right now, devil. I'm going to God, my father, and I'm going to talk with him for a little bit. And I'm going to have a conversation. And I'm going to get some direction on my life. World, I will get back with you in a little bit. Put it on hold. Put it on hold. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples that you have to just look at the bigger picture. The spirit has to come to you. The Spirit has to come into this world and it's going to be a great thing. But we get so self-absorbed of what's going on in our own lives that we can't even see God. 
so it's important to take time to seek God, to push the world out, to seek His face, to seek His direction and His guidance on our lives. First and foremost, we have to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which comes with salvation. I'm going to jump over to John 3, verse 3. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he came to him by night. I'm going to start in verse 2. He says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou hast doest except God be with him. Has anybody ever said that about your life? Have any, has anybody ever done anything so exponential that somebody just looked and they're like, that is definitely not in your wheelhouse. God did that. I can assure you being a banker is one of those things for me. That is not in my wheelhouse. God set that up. I had a divine appointment with that bank in this church. I'm supposed to be here. I have no doubt in my mind. Because the path was too perfect. I couldn't have set it up any better. Thank God for that because I would have tried to change it. I would have been greedy. I would have went after stuff that I wanted. But God pays these paths when we're seeking his guidance on our lives. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Who thinks that that's an important verse? Amen, Amen right? Because, I mean, it just says, Hey, you don't do this, you can't get into the kingdom of God, you can't make it to heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We hit right on the end of it, right at the end of Sunday school this morning about, we were talking about forgiveness and forgiving not only the ones that you love, but your enemies. And how hard of a struggle that is in everyday life. And it's true, man, that is a struggle. But that is Satan at work in your life, and he is saying, you don't need to forgive them. They've done you wrong. Hold that grudge. He might even say, you know what? Take this and you go get back at them. Here's a good plan that you might get even, that you might settle the score. Because if they hate you, I'm going to hate them. That is straight out of the devil's mouth. My Savior would never say that. So you have to be able to discern the voice and the spirit. And when we spend more time in his presence, we can discern these things easier and easier. We talked about practice and how it doesn't come overnight. But you've got to build up to these things and you've got to desire them and you've got to want them. Or do we have any desire in here this morning? Do we have any want to? Do we have people that like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good where I'm at. I'm pretty good where I'm at. Be careful if you're good where you're at. Be very careful. Complacency doesn't say that in there. It says to grow to reach, to endure, to strive. Always be moving unless you're waiting 
on the voice of God to tell you where to move to. Heard a pastor one time, he was talking about putting events in your life, but you've got to walk towards them. He made the animation of a guy standing in front of the stage, and he said, here's where you are in your timeline, and there's the future. He said, you can't take a step back because you can't go back in time. But he said, God will put things out here, but you have to walk towards them. You have to listen to God and what he wants on your life, and you have to walk towards them. He's going to say, here it is if you want it. Go get it. He offered salvation as a free gift, but he didn't make us receive it. We've got to ask for it. If you want a blessing on your life, seek his face. Line up in his will, and he will give it to you. But it takes a little bit of both. You've got to have a little bit of want to and a little bit of desire. And we've got to be able to tell the difference between flesh and the spirit. Because when we're, I'll jump back to the forgiving thing. When we're talking about forgiving of the enemy, we have to realize that sometimes it's not always that person. Sometimes it's not always that person. What are you talking about? In Ephesians chapter 6, Thanks to my wife, she remembered that. Can you mark the point down for her? We've got it taken care of. But in chapter 6, it says about discerning the evil spirits which take over. And it's a spiritual warfare all the time. And that we have to put on the armor of God. And I'll give you a little testimony of what I'm talking about since that was clear as mud. My boss one time and me were not getting along. We were butting heads pretty fast pretty hard and, and stuff was getting in a bad way and it went on for a, a week or two and I was disgruntled and he was unhappy with what I was doing and we were just back and forth at each other and it just was not a good thing but I had met this guy that worked for 7up he had been a minister for the last 25 years and he poured into my life quite a little bit a lot of times at Walmart because that was where we happened to meet a lot but I was telling him my frustrations about this and how I'd been praying for God to just help resolve this issue because I'm tired of being frustrated. It's wearing me out. It's taking all my energy and my focus off of what I should be focusing on, and it's putting it towards my anger and my hatred for this guy. And he just looked at me, and he said, Yeah, you've been praying for you this whole time. Have you prayed for him? I was like, Ooh. But he was right. He said he might not be acting on his own behalf. Is he generally a good guy? And I said, well, I don't seem like it. He said he may not be acting on his own behalf. The devil may be using him to get to you. And it looks like it's working. And I was like, man, stop it a little bit, you know. It hurts. He goes, well, guess what? We've got the answer right here. Me and you, we can just pray about this right now, and then we can just forget about it. You can go on with your day, and it'll be a blessed day. I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. So here we are, back in the pop and the chips and everything else in Walmart, and we're head down praying. And we're not just praying, but we're praying out of heart and spirit because I'm seeking a solution in God's favor that would show him to other people and that this brother genuinely cared about my afflictions and the attacks that I was under. And he was praying me out of a situation. And we started praying for my boss and we joined it and we united in spirit together. And we prayed for the release of my boss 
from these evil spirits. And I said, thank you, man, that was great. I said, I could feel the spirit moving. And he said, don't thank me, thank him. He told me that you needed my prayers this morning. Oh, man, this is getting better. This is fantastic. And I had already forgotten about the affliction I had had with my boss until he called me 30 minutes later. And he said, I'm sorry for the way that I've been acting. No. Right? God moment. I mean, bang, there it is. Spiritual warfare, you've got to be able to discern what is spirit and what is flesh. And you've got to kick off the flesh and kick out the bad spirit and get in God's spirit and release the spirit that indwells inside of you to have pure strength, to have pure joy comes from the spirit within you. I've said it a million times that nobody, no body or spirit can take your joy unless you allow them to. You have to say, yes, Satan, you can have this peace that God gave me. You have to say, yes, Satan, you can take this love that I have for this person because I want to be mad at him for a little bit. Who wants to have that conversation with Satan? I don't, but I have. Because of my own pride and my own ego. Because that's what we do in the flesh. But we've got to resort back to the spiritual world. Galatians chapter 5. We've received the spirit of salvation. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's a set of scripture in there somewhere that a guy's having a war with himself, and he's back and forth. He's like, I want to do these things, but I can't because of my flesh, and he's all back and forth. But whenever you're seeking God, honestly, wholeheartedly, seeking the pure, true love of God, and you want... His influence on your life and nothing else. It's going to be hard for anything else to influence your life. Besides the thing that you're seeking. When you stop seeking wholeheartedly, we allow the flood of these other things to start taking our attention and to grabbing our time. And it can be good things. It really can be. We can get busy doing family things and we can get busy you know, in, in relationships and, and doing good and, and all of a sudden you look up and you don't see God anymore because you've had your head down doing what you thought was some of the best things that you could be doing. And it might be the best thing that you can do, but why are you stopping at the best thing you can do when you've got a spirit that lives inside of you that will allow you to do godly things, that will do more things in your life than everybody or anybody ever thought that you could? That you could raise a person from the dead by the inner spirit when you call on Jesus Christ. We're here to reflect the light of God. 
We're here this morning seeking God's face because we want to change in our direction. Even if we think things are going good right now, I'm not going to settle because church is going good, because numbers are up. I'm not going to settle because I want more people to be saved and I want the community to be saved and I want to have to go to the lake and I want to have to have a pool of pastors because there's so many people that want to get baptized and there's so many people that want to find the Lord. I'm not going to quit until God tells me to quit. Seeking what He wants on your life, allowing the Spirit to flow out of you. That might be the only way that somebody sees God in their life is what spirit flows out of you. So what spirit flows out of you? What are you showing people around you in your everyday life? What are you doing? Are you walking in the spirit or are you walking in the flesh? Because it says after you receive me after you receive the indwelling of the spirit you're a new creation he says i give you a new heart that's not been hardened that you can truly live not just live a life that you want to live that you think is good enough but that you can live a god-filled life that might be great and its effects are endless on the people around you. I guarantee you, if you get around a person that is 100% constantly seeking God in everything that he does, in every situation, in every word spoken, in every decision that he makes, that you will be able to pick that guy out of a crowd of people that aren't. Because that guy will have something special. He will act different. He will react different. He will be the light on the hill. He'll be be the salt that hasn't lost his savior. Savor. He'll be different. You can pick him out. Have you ever just been around somebody and you can just feel the spirit of God? You just feel happy all of a sudden or you, you feel like praising God all of a sudden? I've been there. I've felt those people and it's like, wow. How do I get there that the person that brushed my shoulders like, Whoa. like, what just happened? Was that God? Yeah, it was. His spirit was flowing out of me at the time. And then guess what? That you can tell them about God and you can tell them how to get the spirit and that you can tell them how to let it flow out of them and not choke it down because this world, it consumes you. It wants to take your time. It wants to control your emotions. It wants to hold the spirit captive. Because when the spirit starts moving, there's nothing that control it. There's nothing that contain it. It's a wildfire. And then guess what? My brothers and sisters, if I set a spark right here in the middle of this church and everybody else in here is seeking God, we're going to sit around and we're going to fan this flame until it gets a little bigger. And then Kenny's going to bring the gas and we're going to streak it outside and we're going to watch this building burn. And we're going to see everything catch on fire. And we're going to see souls saved. And we're going to see lives changed. But he has to have people seeking God's face to fan this flame. You have to let the Spirit flow out of you. 
You have to listen to God and not develop a hard heart because you've turned him down so many times that you can't count. Today is the difference maker. What you decide to do today makes the difference. I've said God no to God before. I hope he'll ask me again. Start praying for him to ask you again. Start praying for him to just talk to you a little bit. Start praying for an excitement that he would put inside of you. God, I want to quit quenching the spirit in my life. I want to let the spirit roll free. How do I do that, God? And he'll say a line with me and we can make it happen. Get with me and I'll show you how. Find that place that you can push the world out if just for a minute. But you've got to have that place and you've got to have that desire to find that place. You've got to want to find it. You've got to look for it. You've got to seek it. And then once you find it, use it. I heard the other day of a man that built his wife a prayer room because she wanted somewhere that she could go to pray for people. I hope that she's praying for me because that is a woman dedicated to a prayer life because she knows it's important because she's seeking God's face. She wants to bless other people. She wants to love on other people. And she's asking God how to show her how to do that. And she's asking the spirit to come unloosed inside of her that she might flow out on other people. And the great thing about the spirit is you don't have to be in contact with them. They can be states away and you can pour your spirit of the Holy Spirit out on them and they can feel it at the same time that you ask for it to come down on them. Because the spirit is not contained. It can be states away. It can be halfway around the world. I can promise you if we would stop holding the spirit captive in our own body and put it to use, things are going to change. Communities will change. Churches will change. And it will be because the spirit of God is actually loosed and it's ready to be used. That's what I pray for more than anything, God, that your people would take their death grip off of your spirit and let it loose. God, it's inside of them. They've had it this whole time. Let them realize that they've got it. Let them realize how they can use it. Let them have the direction from you on how to use it and when to use it. The Spirit's in us once we accept Christ. You're the one holding it captive. So I beg you this morning, and we're going to say a prayer, we're going to open up the altars. If you've got the Spirit inside of you this morning, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Spirit inside of you this morning. Well, I've never felt the Spirit move inside of me because you've got your thumb on it. You've got it in a chokehold. You're not allowing it to move. If you haven't let the Spirit indwell in you because you don't know that Jesus Christ is your Savior, today is the day we can see changes this hour. We can see changes this afternoon. 
We can move forward past these grudges that we're holding, that's holding us back, the hatred we have for some other people. Those are all things quenching the spirit in your life. Who wants a truly joyful life that is just abundantly better than anything that they could ever ask for of this world? That they've got a joy that it wouldn't matter what happened. That they would still be joyous because they know that they've got a father that loves them. It doesn't matter if you just gave me stage four cancer. Yes, I'm going to struggle a little bit. But God, I know you've got me. And I know that you can reach through the fire and you can pull me out. And guess what? Even if you don't, God, I still love you because I'm coming home to see you. Let the spirit inside of you loose this morning. We're going to open up the altars, and I can tell you that right now, at this altar, in this church, this morning, the world stops. Right now. It's out there. God is here. Who feels God right now? Amen? If you have not allowed the Spirit to work in your life, come cry out to the Lord this morning. And say, God, I'm sorry. I want the Spirit to work in my life, God. I want you to move in ways that I couldn't imagine. If you don't know the Lord is your personal Savior, ask for the Spirit this morning. Say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to submit to you, God. Jesus, come take over my heart because I want your will to be my will. Who's feeling it this morning? Who's feeling that they need to let the Spirit go in their life this morning? I know it can't be just these two. The Spirit is too strong in here. You've been holding it captive. Come loose it today. Let's make a difference in our communities. Let's make a difference in our schools. Stop holding the Spirit captive. Allow God to work in your life and allow God to work in this community. The Spirit of God wants to work and He wants to use you. Come find the Spirit of God this morning if you don't have it. Or come hand it all over to Him this morning and say, God,